All right, we're ready to roll. Okay, so it's time to get the mental edge. Excited to be here with you guys. We came here all the way from New York City because we wanted to present a great topic, our mindset program. We've created a sports-specific, a basketball-specific mindset program. We always we already presented several other times during this convention, but we really wanted to share this great information with you. So I'm, I was coached just like you guys back in college. I coached over at Springfield College, actually the um, the birthplace of basketball, right? The Hall of Fame and everything. So that's that's good. That's exciting. And wanted to, I guess, before we even start, let's start with a demonstration rather than just talking. So who not, who not, what's the volunteer? Yeah, he's new, he's ready. He's from New York. I got you. All right, so what we're gonna do right here is, if you could balance this on one finger, please. Look at the crowd and just look right down at your finger and balance it. Yeah. A little tough. Well, I don't know. Well, do it again. Look right down at your finger. You're gonna move my finger the whole time? Yeah, yeah. See, he's on to something there. What were you going to do? What did you want to do? I want to look at that. Right, go ahead, do it again. This time he's going to look at the top. Yeah, this time look at the top. Aha, a little bit easier. So the reason why we showed that is because he didn't get any stronger, smarter, or better looking. What changed was his focus. And small changes in our focus have huge impacts on the outcome. So today, basically, I want to pump you with a lot of information that we have on mindset training. So the first question I always ask all the groups is, what percentage of basketball is mental and what percentage is physical, if you have to say? What do you think? Like 50% mental, 80% mental? No, let's call it out. I'll say 75. 75, right. We, don't, we can't put an exact number on it, but we all know that it's very mental. So then you ask yourself this question, how much time are you training physically versus mentally? What does that look like? The opposite. The opposite, right? So that's what we call the training paradox. We see that in all sports, that they say it's like 50 to 90% mental, yet they train like 90% physical. So there's a problem. And then what do we tend to see? The common mindset red flags. So if you maybe gotten some of our emails, basketball mindset, you'd see we talk about the mindset red flags, giving good opponents too much respect. How often is it that we know a team is ranked in the state, or we know they beat us last year, or they beat a team who beat us, and then we choke, right? There's a lot of teams that do a lot better in practice, a lot of individuals do a lot better in practice than in an actual game. Well, what good is that, right? Only the game counts. So we gotta teach them how to rise to the occasion. There's some athletes that naturally do it. There's a lot of athletes that don't do it very well. So we wanna help them bring out their best when it means the most. Being a slow starter, a lot of people start playing their best as the game rolls on. But, you know, if you wanna beat the best teams, you're gonna have to come out of the box strong right away, right? You can't. You can't, just, you can't just hang around, hang back in the beginning and then expect to turn it on at the end. So that's a common red flag. Difficulty bouncing back from mistakes. How many times you see an athlete doing really well and then all of a sudden they make a mistake, they do something stupid, and now they're done the whole game. So one of those mental lapses, one of those mental mistakes can wind up ruining like years of training. And you, some of you have probably seen that before, right? Like with yourselves. Doing well, you make a mistake and then it messes everything up. Or sometimes, we're just too friendly out there. We're too nice. We don't have the killer instinct. We're not pulling the trigger, right? So that's what we want to do. We talk about building the predator mindset. What's that all about? That's teaching us to focus on that, the things that are within our control. So you look at the animal kingdom, there's two types of animals, predator and prey. So who knows the difference between, how can you tell the difference between a predator and a prey just by looking at them? What do you think? Hmm. Yeah. Predator or aggressive. More aggressive, yeah, that's, that's part of it, but how can you tell just by looking at it? Teeth. Teeth go a little bit more north. 
eyes. Eyes. Right, think about predators. Right, so lions, tigers, bears, their eyes are on the front of their head. Right, so why does a predator need to have their eyes in the front? What, what are they focused on? Their goal, right? They're focused on what they can accomplish. Whereas a prey animal, where are their eyes on the, uh, like a deer, rabbits, squirrels, chipmunks, are they on the front or are they on the side? Side. Side. Why? What are they focused on? What's going on around them, right? So it's a great analogy for basketball, school, life, your careers, your relationships. Are we focusing on the things that are within our control? Are we focused on our goals? Are we focused more on comparing ourselves to other people, looking good, getting a pat on the back, um, uh, focusing too much on winning and losing? That's a prey mindset. That's not directly in my control, right? I can't directly control winning, otherwise I'd be undefeated all the time, right? So not directly in our control. Also, um, you know, just so many things. Other people's opinions, right? We see that constantly. Getting too caught up on social media, right? How many of your athletes is always looking at, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat? Really, Instagram and Snapchat for the younger kids. So for them, it winds up getting in their head and they're focused too much on records, on rankings, on seedings, and on predictions. And if you're focused too much on those records, rankings, seedings, predictions, you're more likely to do worse because you're focused on external factors, right? There's not a coach in the country that doesn't say, focus on what you can control, forget about what you can't control. Right, you all say that to your players? Focus on what you can control, forget about the things you can't control. But how does that message stick? And with this analogy, it works really well. So we tell everyone, eyes on the front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide. Eyes on the front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide. So we tell all of our athletes, you wake up in the morning, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, look at yourself in the mirror. You could, if you have a phone right now, you could flip it into camera mode and look at yourself. Locate your eyes. Where are your eyes located? Where? Front or side? Front. Front. It's an important question. If your eyes are on the side of your head, that means you have to hide the rest of your life, right? If you're a predator, you see your eyes are on the front of your head, so it means every single cell of DNA is made for you to be a predator, to be a goal-seeking behavior. Humans are goal-seeking creatures. So we need to start acting like it. We gotta focus on factors within our control. So we don't wanna emphasize winning so much. You wanna have a goal, write down the goal. If you write down your goal, you're 90% more likely to achieve it. So everyone should have their goal written down, both a short-term goal and a long-term goal. And we know we wanna have smart short-term goals, right? We know smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and having a timeline, right? So those are all very important. We wanna make sure we're doing all those things for short-term goals, but we can't be overly focused on winning. If you're focusing too much on winning, you're more likely to lose, all right? So we don't want to think about the outcome, we want to think about performance. So as coaches, that means our body language and the lessons, the, the messages that we send our athletes has to be very geared towards the predator mindset, which is three things, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. So I would write that down and really burn that into your athletes' minds. You can take these lessons to your kids right away. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Those are three things you always have control over in basketball, in school, in coaching, in business, and in life, right? So effort, did you go all out or did you hold back? Simple question, and only you know the answer to it, right? So when I'm presenting, you see, you know, when I have a big crowd, am I going all out there? Well, okay, well now we only have what? Two, four, six, eight, 10, 11 people. Am I still gonna go all out or am I gonna hold back? That's a decision I have to make. Same thing with you guys, right? You're just in a long presentation, you've been doing a lot. Are you gonna go all out and really try to get as much out of this as you can? Or are you gonna hold back? Same thing with your players running sprints, same thing with your student athletes in the classroom. It doesn't make a difference, right? Are we going all out? 
So one of the things that we have, one of the lessons that we, that we have in our systematic mindset program, we created a whole series of mindset worksheets and exercises that the teams use and the individuals use. And we have a game evaluation. So we break the basketball game down into effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. I, think, I believe we spoke about this at Cortland State University this year when we were at the New York Basketball Convention. Um, we talked about that. We break the game down into effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. And then from there, the athletes rate how their performance was. Because if you ask a player, how did you play today, or how did the game go, what do they usually tell you? Scored 17 points. The score, mm -hmm. how many points they scored, did they win or did they lose, what did they place in the tournament, they're, they're focused on all this extraneous stuff. Society has trained them to think about the outcome. So we need to be very, I want to use the word stubborn, more like persistent, that we need to retrain the way that athletes think. We've got to retrain the way they think. And when you think about it, it's society too because we see a lot of depression, suicide, substance abuse this day and age. And what is it? It's the prey mindset. I compare myself to my friend. Why is he taller than me? You know, why does he, get, why does he have more likes on his Facebook page than mine? Right? We think about those kind of things and we start getting down on ourselves. Why does this person have this nice car? You know, how come they have all this money and I don't have it? Right? When we think about all this extra crap, <laughs> we could say, we think about this extra crap, we wind up doing worse. So we've got to compare ourselves to where we are right now. So tomorrow I'm comparing myself to how I, where I am today, right? So getting out of that mentality. So we have that worksheet to retrain the way these athletes think. So after every game, we recommend our teams go through these different lessons of exactly what they're thinking. And also before every practice, before and after every practice and before and after every mindset session that we do, we have them stand up as a group and out loud go through the four mindset principles. If you wanna write this down, this is a good one too. So they say this out loud just like they would do in the army just like they would do in a martial arts dojo. Number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. That's the foundation. I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. If you listen to some of the interviews after um, any championship game, Olympics, World Series, NBA championship, Stanley Cup, doesn't matter the sport, it's, the, it's really the same thing. Mindset's mindset, right? I was just thankful for the opportunity to play. Who's heard that before? Anyone? I was thankful for the opportunity. Right. If you're thankful, that means you're probably not as nervous. Think of times when you tried to just get a game over with, right? Think about your competing days where you're like, I just want to get this one over with. Well, what good is that? That's not being in the moment. That's not enjoying it. As, that's going to be hard to compete against someone or a different team that's like, man, we want to be here. We're excited. We want to be playing. So we want to be thankful. And we tell our athletes all the time, go to any local nursing home or any hospital, and there's people that can't move and think the same way you can. So be thankful for the ability to play, right? It's a blessing. So you want to remember that, that it really is a blessing. And a lot of athletes, that's why a lot of times an injury is a blessing in disguise for an athlete, a big blessing in disguise when they're injured. Because mentally, they change the way they think of the game. Who knows what I'm talking about? Any of you got injured at a certain point in time in your career, and now you've got the opportunity taken away from you. The, the opportunity was now taken away, and you're like, oh man, I wish I, could still, I wish I could still play. I just wish I had the opportunity. Win or lose, I just wish I could play again. Well, why do we want an injury to wait for that to happen? So we're thankful for the opportunity. Number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. That's a big part of the uh, predator mindset. That's not the only thing the predator mindset's about. I just want to be clear about that. That it just doesn't mean we're mad, we're fired up, we're mean when we're playing. Of course, we do want athletes to have the killer instinct. We do want you to pull the trigger out there. But having the predator mindset really means more getting to your ideal mental state. So you need to know where you operate your best mentally, emotionally, and physically. Some athletes need to be mad. 
Very few, but some athletes need to get mad. If that works for you, keep doing it. Uh, other athletes, they need to be very calm. Other athletes need to just, really it's just being yourself. So I, I think a big red flag for me that I see with athletes is when they change their personality up too much before a game, I can usually say this, this athlete's probably gonna choke. They're probably not gonna do as well. So if you're normally more of a talker and you more laugh and smile, do that before the games, right? So I wrestled from elementary school right through college. We work with the Olympic teams and we work with some UFC fighters. And I could tell you for me, when I would listen to this like hardcore rock and everything before I would go out and wrestle in high school, I used to get way too nervous. I was already a high energy guy, right? I was, I'm 35 now, imagine when I was 15, right? So, so that's, I was pulling myself, I was getting myself way too worked up. So what I needed to do is listen to music that was more calming me down, relaxing. I like to smile, I like to laugh, I like to joke around, but I didn't do that at all before my matches. Put my hood on, you know, pacing around, acting like I'm mad and everything, or trying to get myself mad, and you realize that's a red flag. And that's why I think I wrestled a lot better in practice than in competition. Just be you. Just do what you normally do. How many interviews have you heard that? I was just being me. It was just another day in the office. I was doing what I always do. So that's, that's what the predator mindset is, getting you to your optimal performance level. And so like one of the exercises we do there with athletes, we have them write down the three best games, three worst games, and write down exactly what you were thinking in those three best games, and find the common patterns, what are the themes. And then in the three worst games, what were you thinking? What are the patterns, what are the themes? It's a very powerful mindset exercise because most kids do not take the time to think about their mindset. They don't. And so if you say to them, well, do what brings out your best. They don't even know. They don't know what brings out their best until it's written down on paper, right? So have them write it down. And we, we do this with the teams that we, we're gonna work with, that we've been working with, right? And if any of your teams wanna do this, we'd love to help you with that. Three best games, three worst games. And when you compare them side by side, what they were thinking, it's like two totally different people. We've literally done this exercise with tens and thousands of athletes. I've been doing this since uh, 2008 since I was in my master's, my first master's program in sports psychology. Always, best competitions, worst competitions. And it's two completely different mindsets. So that's what the predator mindset means. That being said, back to mindset principle number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. So we're not focusing on winning, but we're playing to win. We're not playing to not lose. Make sense? And I go back to Johnny Wooden here, who is highly regarded as the greatest coach of all time, uh, you know, ESPN, the 20th century, they named him the number one coach. Never spoke to his team about winning. Never. Never brought that up. Because he was focused on control the things within your control. He didn't say it, but really he had that predator mindset. Another thing John Wooden said, which is actually going to relate to mindset principle number three. So I'll say the principle first. Number three is, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. So mindset principle number three, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. That's a big one. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to get laughed at. We want to get the pat on the back. We don't want to be embarrassed. But in order to succeed, we're gonna, in anything, right? Think about riding a bike. You didn't just get on the bike and start riding. Probably very few of you, if any. But you fall and you just keep getting back up. So any skill that you're trying, probably the same thing if you ever went surfing, probably the first time you fell down, right? So in no area of your life are you gonna to get to the next level without falling, without making mistakes. In our society, more than ever before, we're soft because again, we're all about the social media and looking good in front of other people and having that swagger that we become afraid of losing and making mistakes. And one of the lessons John Wooden said was the team that makes the most mistakes 
usually wins. And if you hear that before, he said, the team that makes the most mistakes usually wins. Now, the funny thing about that is I remember when I was playing Pop Warner football in seventh grade, we were going into the state championship game, and I remember our coach telling us the opposite. He said, the team who makes the most mistakes in this game is going to lose. Right? Okay? Pop Warner football? And that's how I, I thought that too. Like when I was in high school, I was so focused on don't get scored on, don't give up any points, that I wasn't thinking, let's put points on the board. I'm not saying don't focus on defense. You have to focus on defense. Right? You do have to focus on defense. That is the predator mindset. But don't just think about not giving up points. You want to think about actively scoring points. So there's Pop Warner football coach and the mindset of the rest of the world, don't make mistakes. And then John Wooden, very best. The team that most, makes the most mistakes usually wins. Now, did he like making mistakes? No. Nobody likes making mistakes. But we're not focused on, it's not holding us back. Like if we make a mistake, we make a mistake, right? It's easy to be undefeated, just never, never compete, right? And then you never lose. So we can't have any fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four is I never ever give up. So mine's a principle number four, I never ever give up. Pretty self-explanatory. But, you know, obviously we could, we could give up during practice. We don't push as hard as we can in that last sprint. A lot of times we give up on ourselves when we're losing because we get discouraged. But there's a lot of times we also give up while we're winning. How many times have you seen that with your teams? Right, we start pumping the gas at the end, or pumping the gas, if only. We start pumping the brakes at the end, right, instead of stepping on the gas. So that's what we tell our teams all the time. And athletes of any sport, when you're, when you're winning, you don't hang back. You keep scoring and scoring, and when the other team breaks, you stick them in the ground. You step right on their throat. So you have that game won, or it seems like it's won, you want to take their heart and rip it right out of their chest. So it might sound mean or hardcore, but that's the attitude you have to have because how many times were you winning where you thought that you had the game wrapped up and the other team comes back and wins? Or how many times has another team been winning, they start pumping the, the brakes and you come back and win, right? We've had some situations like that before, I'm sure. We see it in all sports. In football, if you watch football, they shift into the prevent defense too early. The other team starts bringing the ball down the field. So we gotta be a lot more hardcore and really stuff the team. Right? Don't feel bad for them. You can't feel sorry for your opponent when you're beating on them. And again, fair, square, and by the rules. We're not doing anything cheap, but you've got to be metaphorically out for blood when you're competing. Right? Stop the other team out and stick them in the ground. So uh, the four principles are I'm, uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. I'm aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And I never, ever give up. So why do we say that? Mental reps. Just like you have, um, you know, how, many, how many of your athletes are lifting weights? Probably most of them, or at least doing push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups and stuff, right? You're getting reps in the weight room. Now how about your drills, right? Your skills, your technique. You're getting technical reps in practice, and hopefully they are on their own, right? At home and after. Well, are they getting mental reps? You probably heard the term affirmations before, right? But what are affirmations? They're mental reps. You might think about Muhammad Ali. Before he ever became the world champion, he said, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, the greatest of all time. And then what happened? It came into reality. So we have to have those affirmations. And I could tell you across sports, we've had three NCAA champions that right after they won the NCAAs, they put the microphone in their face. So now you just won in sports, you think you were nervous before competing, now you gotta speak in front of a few thousand people. And in fact, that's, that's widely known as the number one fear, public speaking. The second greatest fear is death. What does that mean? Most people would rather be in the casting than saying eulogy, right? 
right? <laughs> Most people would rather be dead than actually saying the eulogy. But in any event, we have these people. Where's it going with that point? I was thinking about the joke. Affirmations. <laughs> the affirmations. You're, you're saying them over and over again. You're ingraining them into your mind. You have to say When you say it over, you start to believe it. We had another, oh, oh so the national champs. That's what I was saying. The three national champs. After winning the NCAAs, they put the microphone in their face and they say, well, how did you, what gave you the tools to believe you were going to win? You were unseated going into the tournament. What were you thinking? And, and they said to the interviewer, I was thankful for the opportunity to play. I had no fear of losing or making mistakes. What did we do? We were programming them. They said it hundreds of times throughout the years that now in the biggest moments of their life, they couldn't forget it. Because what's gonna happen? Their brain is naturally gonna start thinking about losing and making mistakes. We're human, right? We don't wanna make mistakes. I don't wanna make mistakes. I wanna do everything crisp and perfect and everything, right? But it's gonna happen. So what do you do once that thought creeps up in your head? You have to have an answer. So that's basically what we're doing with mindset. We're giving them, we're teaching them, we're planning ahead of time to have those important answers. So another example of a worksheet we do with the athletes, it's all writing it down, right? I can't just think about doing push-ups. I can't just think about squatting. I have to get in the weight room and squat. I gotta drop to the ground and do push-ups. Same thing with mindset. If you're just listening to me, studies show you're only gonna remember 5%. I was a school psychologist before I, before I, start, I quit that to do this full time. And and that we, we had to learn how do people learn and retain information. If you're just listening to a lecture, 5% of the information you're gonna remember, right? So the athletes have to make sure they're doing these mindset worksheets that we give them. That's the key. The real secret is doing the homework, doing the exercises. So we have them write down all the different adversity situations they could, they could be in and come up with a reset button. Every single athlete in your team should have a reset button. Something they physically do and something they tell themselves to let go. Okay, so you see a lot of athletes do this naturally with taking a deep breath, right? Ref makes a bad call, your opponent takes a cheap shot, um, you make a mistake, your opponent does something really well, you just got scored on, right? What are you telling yourself in that moment? You gotta be able to reset quickly. The best athletes have a poor memory, right? The happiest people have a poor memory too, right? Happiness is nothing more than having a bad memory. If you can't remember what happened yesterday, you're feeling pretty good today. So have a bad memory. That's not entirely true. But anyway, in any event, we need to let go. We need to be able to let it go, so you have to have a reset button. When we did this at the Olympic Training Center, I was out of Colorado Springs a few years ago. Those coaches were then saying, the women's coach was actually saying in practice, reset button, use the reset button, telling the team. Because if you don't start doing it in practice, you're never gonna remember when game comes, right? So you need to practice that mindset. So we have it all mapped out. What are like the 10 common adversity situations that all basketball players get into? And what are you gonna tell yourself in those moments, right? The athletes know technically what they're supposed to do. If the ball comes to me, if we're, doing, if we're running this offense, we're doing this, that, and the other thing, they know what to do technically, or they should, or they're learning, right? But very few have a plan with what they're gonna do mentally. And think about it, that's a great life lesson too. In our personal relationships, with our friends, with our significant other, usually it's not random problems. It's the same kind of situations that are occurring in a different way over and over again. How do you respond in those moments, right? If I don't pre-plan it, I, I start getting angry. I lose my temper, I lose my cool, right? So as coaches, it's good to think of what are some adversity situations in the game that might make you lose composure, that might make you overthink, that might get you second-guessing yourself. And actually writing that down as a coach, what exactly am I gonna tell myself in those moments? What are my reset buttons? Does that make sense? The reset buttons, that's, that's an important lesson. Every athlete should know what their reset buttons are.
So we've got to have that. But we look at mindset training. It's not therapy. It's not motivational speaking. It's not counseling. I want you to look at this as strength training for your mind. Okay, look at mindset training, strength training for your mind. And when you work with one of our mindset coaches, what happens is now your team has a mindset coach just like your team would have a strength coach. Okay, so like we said, you can't just think about mindset training, you've got to do those exercises. If they don't actually take the time and write down their three best and three worst performances, they're not going to get any better. Just like if they don't do the drills you give them at home, they're not going to get any better, right? Same thing, you can't just, you can't just, uh, yeah, you can't think about it, you gotta do it. Also, there's different mental muscles. Just like there's different muscles in our body, some people could have very strong legs and weak arms. Some of us could have a stronger neck, but a weak grip, right? There's different physical muscles in our body, there's different mental muscles. So we break it down into eight different mental muscles. So all athletes, the first exercise we do with the individuals, like some of you might have kids that play sports, so if we were like taking your kid through the individual program, the first thing we go through is the mindset checklist on all these different mental muscles, on these eight different mental muscles. And what do we see? Everyone's strong in some areas and weak in other areas. And you're only as strong as what? Your weakest leg, right? So we have them we have them go through, fill out the questionnaire, and then we can see very clearly where the athlete's mentally strong and where they're weak. And I'm telling you, even working with Olympians and UFC fighters, they're all, we'll call them relatively mentally weak in some of those areas. So like relaxing under pressure, confidence, aggressiveness. They don't always necessarily go together, right? You might have an athlete who's very good at relaxing under pressure, right? They do well, but like the, the pressure doesn't get to them, but maybe their motivation's low. They're not practicing in the off season, right? Or they're getting, you know, you have another athlete, they're very confident, but maybe their goal setting isn't there. They don't have a goal. So they're getting sucked into partying, drinking, drugs. Um, they're in a bad relationship with their significant other. Right, and what happens? That kind of stuff pulls them down. Well, does that mean they have a strong mindset or not? Both. They're mentally strong with confidence, but they're very weak with motivation. You know what I mean? Or we could have an athlete very good, they're confident, but they're not aggressive. They're not taking enough chances. So one of the things we have the athletes do, we have all of our athletes, and this works really well for sometimes the more, you know, they're just nice people, they're just overly friendly, which is good, we want them to be friendly, we want them to be nice but a lot of them need to pick it up a notch on the court. We build a competitive alter ego. So each athlete has an alter ego that they take with them onto the court that helps like, not care as much what other people are thinking about them. Right? If I'm normally more of a sensitive person, I always like approval, I want people to like me, I have to come up with a competitive alter ego that when I'm out there, I don't care about if the crowd likes me. Right? Or, not that I'm saying, like, it's not like an athlete or the crowd, it's just a matter of, I'm not focused on what the crowd is saying. I don't care about how many athletes are so afraid of letting their parents down. We see that, right? A lot of times parents are the problem. So when they're competing the whole time, they're thinking about their dad or they're thinking about their mom. When they step on the court, they can't care about what their parents think, you know? So we need them to be in the right mindset. So we'll come up with a competitive alter ego. So all those different mental muscles, we gotta find out where we're strong and where we're weak. And so I've seen that even sometimes the best athletes they might not have as many of the mindset red flags, but they might need the mindset training the most because all the cameras are on them. All the recruits are coming to see them. They have all the expectations. It's the average player who could kind of fly under the radar, right? The best athletes, the highest level ones, they're the ones where all the pressure is gonna come down to them. Five seconds left in the game, you're down by one. Who's the ball going to, right? So they know it's coming down to them. So they might need mindset more than the other athletes. We've seen many times, Teams or teams athletes do really well, 
when they're ranked second or third, and then all of a sudden they get ranked first, and that's when they start to choke. But what's going on there, right? Same thing, if you could do it in practice, if you could execute a skill effectively in practice, but you're not doing it in a game, is that physical? No, that's all mental, right? It's 100% mental. So we gotta make sure that we're tackling that. We gotta be taking the bull by the horns and make sure we're training holistically, the, the, full, the full lifestyle approach. So we're always saying, you know, more important than just, of course we wanna win games. Of course we wanna bring out our best on, on, on the basketball court, but we have to be using basketball as a metaphor for our whole life, using basketball as a vehicle to improve in school and in our life. So when we say effort, attitude, and aggressiveness, they're taking these lessons and they're applying it to school. So for aggressiveness, obviously, you know, there's a loose ball, they're diving for it. They're not afraid to put their body on the line. I guess in high school there's, a, there's assigned seating, but like in college, you could choose to sit in the back, you could choose to sit in the front, right? At aggressiveness would be up front. When there's a, a question, or a teacher asks, do we have any questions? The aggressive student is the one who asks the question, right? What do most people think? Well, I don't want to look bad. What if people laugh at me? What if, what if they already said this? And what if I look stupid? Right? We think those kind of things. Instead of, we tell our athletes, make sure you're being aggressive in the classroom too. Your teacher, your coach, your parent should never have to tell you you need a tutor. If you're the student, you know where you're at academically even better than your teacher, your parent, and your coach knows. You should be asking your teacher for the tutor. You should be personally going in for extra help, coming in early, staying late. You're interested in going to a college. We've seen this a lot of the times with, um, we talk to parents and parents of these high-level athletes. They say, well, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna approach the coaches. We want the coaches to come to us. And I said, no, no, don't wait for the coaches to come to you. You reach out to the coaches that you're interested in. It's the same thing when they're in college, work with a lot of college athletes. They're interested in getting their MBA, teaching certificate, um, doctoral program, law school. We say, you make sure that you send an email to the director of that program so they know your name. Otherwise, your name is gonna go into, on the bottom of the list of 300 people, right? So when we send out applications around the country, we have 80 other mindset coaches that do this all across America because all of our teams we work with, we work with on Skype, and all of our individuals we work with on the phone. So we, co we cover the whole United States. We have a few international athletes too that we work with. But we have that, we're available to work with them. And they know, and they know that they're gonna be accountable. They're gonna be accountable to that mindset coach. So we gotta make sure we take that bull by the horns and we tell those people, make sure that you reach out to those program directors yourself, right? When we hire people, we say, Okay, who's interested in a job for sales, mindset coach, we're always looking for mindset coaches, salespeople, right? We've actually picked up people at coaching conventions that want to work with us also, okay? If they just send in their application, who do you think I'm more likely to hire? The people, one of the 300 people who send in the application or the three people who call me? It's the three people that call me. And that's what it is. There's always several aggressive people in the business world that they're reaching out. They're the ones who wind up getting the jobs. So we're using these lessons for our whole life. Basketball, school, and life. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. So attitude, are you staying positive the whole time? See, a lot of people look at sports psychology and they think it's just this like, kumbaya, let's hold hands in a circle, rainbows and sunshine and butterflies. That's not really what, that's not what we're talking about. When I say a positive thinker, I mean you're having a bad day. Where, where, where's your mind at when the chips are down? Right, it's really easy to be positive when things are going well for you. But positive thinking really kicks in when you just lost the game. You know, you just, um, you know, you, you failed a test. Your coaches are coming down, your parents are coming down, and wrestling, you still have another 10 pounds to lose. And just when you think things couldn't get any worse, your girlfriend ran off with the drummer. 
right? What are you doing? You're actually having a real bad day. So no, not anyone here, right? <laughs> None of us here have been broken up with. But there are people who do get broken up with. <laughs> and, and, what do we and what do we tell ourselves in those days? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But no, really, what are we telling ourselves in those days? So we train people, to, the way we train them out of that, so when we're talking about motivation, we tell them, what's the root word of motivation? What is it? Motive. What are our motives for action? So we have to get deeper than just surface level rah-rah pep talks. That's what people think it is, right? But what are our motives for action? So if we're having a bad day, if we catch ourselves complaining, all of us are guilty of complaining at one time or another, we tell our athletes right off the bat, you have to give five positives. What are five things you're either thankful for or five things that are good about the situation, right? So that's a tough thing to do. Think about it, when you're having a bad day, the last thing you wanna do is say what you're thankful for. When you're having a bad day, the last thing you wanna do is think, okay, well, at least this is, at least it's a nice day outside, at least I'm with my friends, at least I'm healthy. It takes work to be a positive thinker. It takes a lot of hard work to be a positive thinker. So you gotta train them to do that because it's real easy to get lazy and to not be a positive thinker. So it takes time, we gotta train that out of them. We gotta train out the negativity. So I always say, you guys know how the bell curve works, right? Very few people at the bottom, a lot in the middle and very few at the top. It's the same thing with any group of people, right? So if you just follow the crowd, where are you probably gonna end up? In the middle, right? So we need to tell our athletes, you've gotta stop looking around at your friends because most of your friends are just gonna end up in the middle. And if you're trying to be great, you need to start studying great people. You gotta ask yourself, how do the best athletes in the world think, right? How do the best students think? How do the happiest people in the world think? How do the holiest people in the world think? We gotta be operating on a much higher level than the people around us. What are the best people doing? And you see, those people are working on all aspects of the sport. They are positive thinkers, right? And it takes that work. They don't, they're not lazy thinkers. The most successful people, the happiest people, they're not lazy thinkers. When they're having a bad day, they put down, they at least tell themselves what they're thankful for or what are some positives. So that's real important. So biggest barriers to that predator mindset, like we say, the prey mindset, that's focusing on things outside of our control. Focusing on things outside of our control. The fan mentality, I tell everyone, get out of what I call the hype and the fan mentality. Are we low on time right now? <laughs> where are we at? started after your thing was What's that? It's 2.30, but you, oh, okay. <laughs> it's all right. All right. <laughs> well, the fan, well, the, okay, well, the, well, this is a good thing. So the fan mentality, right, the hype, you don't want to get sucked into the hype, the records, the rankings, the seedings, predictions. You want to tell your athletes, get off of social media. LeBron James talks about this. He goes into the playoffs, he does a blackout. He doesn't go on social media. That's a big deal because they're not getting pulled in different directions, especially pros when there's interviews all over the place. But in high school, you could see these top athletes, they have like a miniature celebrity status. Everyone's following them, everyone's watching them, adults, kids. So they're getting sucked into all this hype people commenting about them on Twitter. I remember back when I was in high school, we'd look at the forum, I wanted to see what people were saying about me, did they expect me to win the counties or not, right, all that garbage. But what does it do? It just puts all this extra stuff in your head. Or looking at scores, how many times we see, oh, we're playing this team next week. Well, let's look at our common opponents. They beat these teams, they lost to these teams. So we can't get pulled in those directions. We can't be thinking about all those extra factors. Some of us are guilty of that. And a lot of times the parents, again, are the worst with that. The kids come home and right away they're talking about, oh, this one person scored all these points, or this team won, or that team lost. You're gonna be going up against this person head to head next week. And it's just a lot of extra information. So we gotta get out of that. That fan mentality and the hype, we wanna stay away from it. 
Again, when you study the best, I use the LeBron James example. Like him or not, hey, I use that in all sports because it's true. We want to stay off of social media, especially around playoff time. Um, the, the other people, focusing on other people's opinions, focusing on looking good in front of other people, I say, you really have to know who you are and you need to know what you believe, you need to know your values, because if, if you're just focused around on other people, it's gonna really hurt you. So we tell our teams all the time, a big key to mental toughness, you look at the most mentally tough people in the world, the warriors, right, the Spartans, the samurai, the US military, the Aztecs, what do they have in common? Two things, they know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. They know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. So how does that apply on the basketball court? You're not gonna die, it's not a life or death situation. It might feel like it's life or death, but it's not actually life or death, right? So if they could overcome, if these warriors can overcome the fear of death, we can overcome that fear of losing or making mistakes. But how do they overcome that fear? It's because they know who they are. They know what they stand for. They know what, that, what they believe. So that's one of the big questions. We'll ask our athletes. That's mental toughness week two, that worksheet. We'll say, who are you? What are your beliefs? Are you a religious person? Are you a person of faith? What are your boundaries for behavior? Knowing where you stand when it comes to relationships, tobacco, alcohol, what's your bedtime? How many kids are actually taking time and writing down, this is my bedtime, this is where I draw the line on different substances, right? Obviously in high school, the, the, the line should be they shouldn't be drinking at all, right? But we deal with a lot of college kids, now they're actually 21, they can drink. So where do they, where do they cut themselves off? Also relationships, right? They see their friends are doing all these things that they, they, you know, they shouldn't be doing in their relationships with their significant others. And maybe if your faith, if your religion says this is immoral, why are you going down that road, right? You gotta know who you are and you gotta know what you believe. So we have them actually write that down on paper. Who are you? What are your beliefs? What are your values? Where do you draw the line on different behaviors? And when they have that plan, then when they get in those very difficult moments, they can put their foot down. So real important, we can't get sucked in all those different directions. So no, that's a lot of stuff that we covered. A lot of things about the predator and prey mindset, um, those different uh, mindset principles we hit on. What questions? We have a small group here. So any questions I can help you with? Anything that we touched on as far as performance, we're bringing out our best, yeah. Yeah, you talked about the whole like stomp them into the ground, yeah. all that. How does that apply from a coaching perspective? So if we're up 25, I'm, I'm putting in kid number 12. Yeah, you could, do, you could do that, but kid number 12 should be going all out. Sure. Because that, that's it. Like you don't, want, you, don't want kid, you don't want kid number one holding back. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's fine. Okay. You know, like it's, as long as you don't, you don't want to ever have a situation where, or like in wrestling, a lot of times in practice, we'd be going up against someone who we're a lot better than. Well, what you would do is you'd put yourself, you'd start in positions that are less favorable for you. So it still requires me to go all out, right? So if we're wrestling, you might not wrestle today in your life. I might give you my leg to start all the way up in the air. And now I got to fight from here. We're not going to just start 50 50, right? Because that's going to favor me. Or if we were in like the arm wrestling championships, I've been watching a lot. Of, I don't know why. On YouTube, I've been watching a lot of arm wrestling championships, and it's like, hey, if you were the if you were the if you were the best, if you were the champ, start almost all the way down, right? So, in other words, put yourself in position. Put yourself in positions in practice where you could possibly lose. You know what I mean? That goes with a lot of your star players too. If you know that you could beat someone real bad, I would recommend our athletes get yourself real tired then before you compete. So it requires a full out effort. You never want to get used to holding back. Right? I remember we used to play um, tennis baseball when we were, you know, when we were kids. And like if it was if someone who was like a lot younger than us would play with us, you, they couldn't strike out. They had to get they had to put the ball in play. Right? So we would like put in self-handicapping strategies to make it more competitive. 
kids are kids actually do a really good job. I learned in my sports psychology class about that. There's actually research on that. Kids do a pretty good job of evening up teams that aren't very even, right? So we have to we can't lose that creativity as we get older. We have to still put on those the, you know the, our creative hat. And how do we make things a little bit more even? That makes some sense. Yeah, good. good what about coach's kid? Like my daughter. Mm-hmm. Has me as the coach, plus like yeah. every time we go to a gym, oh, like, the yeah. refs automatically say, "Oh, who's that child?" Yeah. What What's your best thing for yeah. her, or and me as a parent and a coach yeah. situation? So, so one that's a good question. So our, our last our last week of, our our first section that we have before we do all those mental muscles, we do a whole series on self knowledge. Self knowledge is understanding yourself and understanding your situation with your coaches and with your parents. So the last exercise we do is a parent mindset guide and a coach's mindset guide. So we have all the kids fill out five questions when it comes to their parents and their coaches, or in this case, it's the same thing. So what are they doing that's helping me mentally? What might be inadvertently hurting me mentally? How do I want them to treat me before competition? Um, basically assessing your sensitivity level. Do you want direct feedback? Do you need to be a little bit more positive? Like where are your, where's your sensitivity level at? And then finally, when do I want feedback after the game is over, right? Because sometimes some kids want a little, like give me an hour, some kids want the feedback right away. So basically you're trying to give the kid what they need the most, you know? Now obviously when you're dealing with a big group of people, it's hard to give everyone exactly what they need. So we recommend our teams, especially with their starters, to sit down with their key players and go through all five of those questions. But as far as the parent coach, the parent coach dynamic, that's always a tough one. Usually the kid wants you to just be the parent. If they have to pick, they'll just be the parent. We've actually done this with um, a female wrestler out in, uh, I believe it was somewhere in Colorado. We actually got into the situation where the dad was coaching the girl on the mat, and the girl, as you could see, her getting noticeably frustrated. We pulled them off the mat, and we did this assignment right there on the spot in practice. We're like, okay, do you want him to be dad, or do you want him to be coach? And she started bawling. She's like, I just want you to be a dad. And they're like hugging and everything. So it was like a nice breakthrough. Rarely is it like that dramatic. But the, but the point is that could have helped their relationship, not just in the court, but also, uh, you know, not just in wrestling. But she in takes a lot. I mean, she takes a lot on in every, she does more than one sport. So she takes a lot on. And um, it seems like I'm harder on her because she does mess up because I don't want the whole community to be like, oh, you're letting her get away with what she's doing. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like I need her on the floor because she's the point guard. So there's like such a fine line with that situation. There is, there is. And, and that's why really the, the whole point of that exercise, the parent and the coach's mindset guide that we have, it's really to open up the line of communication. Because a lot of times, because it is awkward, especially from a kid, like the kid doesn't want to say, hey dad, you know, I don't like when you bring up that this kid's an older wrestler because I'm afraid I'm gonna, you know what I mean? So basically what we try to do is, even when we have those answers, like how do I want my coach to deal with me before competition? We put it in multiple choice form, so it's like easy for the kid, okay, I want my coach to just laugh and joke around and talk about anything other than basketball. Or I want my coach to get me mad and fired up. So the kid could say, okay, well I like this, or I like a combination of B and C. You know what I mean? So basically it gets the conversation going, and then once the athlete fills that out, they go through with the parent and the coach, and at least you start understanding more about each other. So it's just opening up it's really just taking the time to have those awkward conversations. And that's really what it is. So the teams that really want to be the best are going to do things other teams aren't willing to do. And that means having those awkward conversations, but opening up the line for communication. Uh, one, one caveat I will say with that, or one um, little thing there is that uh, like with our society, we're real big on now, well, coaches and athletes are on even playing field and that's garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Authority is very important. And our, my coach always told me at a young age, listen, he's like, 
we're not friends when I'm coaching you. <laughs> he said, I'm here and you're here. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Like, so when we do this coach's questionnaire, the, the mindset guide for the parents and for the coaches, that doesn't mean all of a sudden now the kid gets to tell the coach how to coach. That's not what it, what it is. The, co the kid ultimately has to be obedient to the coach, right? But as the kids get older, we do want them communicating to us with what's helping them and what's hurting them. So like, those kind of things would, would really help. We've seen it, and it's funny, in the sport of wrestling, like, they, so, they show the, the, the coach, the, the coach who also, um, who's also the dad, or the mom, they, they, the kid knows so many different moves, because from a young age, they learn all this technique, and then what happens is their head's filled with all this different stuff, and instead of just focus on one or two things, they're focusing on 50, right? So that's another area where we just have to get them and say, okay, focus on these few factors. See, the idea with mindset is we don't want the athletes thinking more, we want them thinking less. Right, if I had three athletes, all even talent, one's a positive thinker, one's a negative thinker, the other one, lights are on, no one's home, he's not thinking anything, he or she's not thinking anything, who performs the best usually? A lot of people say the positive thinker, but they'd be wrong. It's really the person who's not thinking a lot. So our job is to plan these things in advance so once the game comes out, just like there's muscle memory in basketball or in the weight room, there's muscle memory in the brain, makes sense. Did that help a little bit? That's a few different things there. But uh, yeah, just talking about, you know, what am I doing that's helping? What can I do differently? And, you know, obviously there's, you know, you're still the coach, so she's got to do what you tell her to do, but, you know, being able to see that. And every kid's sensitivities level is different. That's an important one. And you want kids to start thinking about their sensitivity level because think about relationships you've been in with the past, in the past, whether it's friends or a significant other. If a person doesn't understand where they are and their sensitivity level, then they're always taking it out on the other person passive aggressively, right? That's no good. So I can say me, both of my younger brothers, we're all nationally ranked top 20 in the country wrestlers. Uh, me and Jeff were all Ivy League. We wrestled at the University of Pennsylvania. Greg was a two-time academic All-American for Rutgers. All three of us very good, but three different sensitivity levels. You could not treat all three of us the same, right? My brother Jeff, you could say to him, hey, if you don't, if you don't work on your defense, you're gonna lose. And he's like, okay. For me, I'm a little more sensitive than that. I'm like, well, oh, why, why'd, why'd they say it like that? And I'm kind of mad and I'm like, okay, whatever, but maybe I like do something defiant in a passive aggressive way. Our youngest brother, who was the best wrestler out of the three of us, he was the most sensitive. He might not ever listen to you again. If you frame something that negative to him, he might not ever listen to you. The problem with that is you just lost your best athlete. So of course, it's not just on the coach, right? The kids still have to work on their sensitivity levels. A part of us do need to get thicker skin. We do need to toughen up, that's right. right? Like the coach, obviously, they're, co they're covering the whole team. They can't just think about each and every athlete's individual feelings, but you still want to have a general idea where each kid falls in that sensitivity scale. And the kid, for their life, like we say, it's, always, it's not just success in the basketball, basketball court, but life too. If they don't know their sensitivity levels and they can't communicate that to a significant other, they're gonna be in big trouble. They're gonna end up you know, messing up all the relationships they're in. Right, so that's important. What else, any other questions? Did we pass in the sign? I don't think we passed around the sign-in sheet. If you guys want to sign there, we do, um, we go through some more information yeah. about the program. But what else, what can I help you with? The good thing about a small group is we could, you know, more intimate, you ask more questions. Um, anything with choking or underperforming or coaching from the sideline, anything like that? Yeah, what do you do about parents? The parents, so one of the things we do with our, with our mindset program, we strongly advise 
or we strongly recommend that you bring as many parents to the mindset workshops that we do as possible because we want everyone speaking the same language. So if you want a well-oiled machine, the coaches, the parents, the athletes, and the mindset coach need to be saying the same things. They need to get their message reinforced over and over. And sometimes hearing it from the mindset coach, other than just the team coach, it sinks in a little bit more, right? Because the parents are used to hearing the coach, but now if they hear someone else that's, that's repeating the same message, it's a little bit more successful. So like when a team signs up for our program, or like if you signed up your kid for the mindset program, the first thing you'd get is a questionnaire. And you put down, what are your coaching philosophies? So the Olympic, the Olympic Greco-Roman wrestling coach, his is kayaking. He's a big kayaker, and his analogy is we're all in the same boat. If we don't work together, the boat tips. So, okay, he, write, he wrote that on his coaching questionnaire. I know that as the mindset coach. Anytime that we work with that, with that Olympic team, I'm giving the mindset lessons, I'm giving them the mindset um, worksheets and exercises, but I'm weaving in the kayaking analogy. We're all on the same boat. So now the coach is reiterating the same mindset lessons. Our mindset coach is reiterating the same coaching philosophies. Make sense? And then as far as the parents, when we get the parents to come in and hear us speak, that's real, that's real important because now that otherwise the kids go home, the first thing the parents do is they talk about the rankings and the records. Right, and as the coaches, we have to do a good job with our body language and with our mentality because if all the kids see is we're just happy when they win, then, then, then they're gonna be focused too much on winning and losing. Right, we say to the kid, oh, a win's a win, pat them on the back. If that's true, a loss is a loss. Right, so what, what does that mean? You're just a schmuck if you lose? I know it feels like that, but that's not what it is. Right, so we gotta get our heads outside of the winning and we have to focus more on, did this person go all out? Effort. Did they stay positive the whole time, even when the chips were down? That's attitude and aggressiveness. Did they go after it? Were they, were they playing to win? Not focusing on winning, but they were playing to win. They were going after it. They were taking chances. That's what we want to praise. As coaches, we need to strip. We really want to reward that. And parents, too. You praise the effort, you praise the attitude, and you praise the aggressiveness. Don't just praise the fact that the kid got an A. It's coming from a school, a school psychologist. If all you're praising is that the kid got an A, they might have been capable of doing better, or they might need to be in a more advanced class, right? We want to praise the fact that, okay, they're working hard, the teacher said they have a great attitude in class, they're showing up, they're asking questions. They put themselves, they ask to be in a more challenging class, right? A lot of kids, they'll do that. They want to be in a more challenging class, and maybe they get a worse grade, but that's the attitude we should be praising, because that was an aggressive move by the kid, right? So. That's critical, and unfortunately in society, they're not gonna do that as much. You could count on most of the people just focusing on the end results, and we need to be the stubborn one out of 10 people that's gonna focus on that effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. It's not easy, right? I was the poster boy for looking at like the rankings and the records. So this is like, do as I say, not as I did. And staying away from giving those, like a lot of times giving these rah-rah pep talks right before the game. Another great John Wooden lesson, he's, he never believed in pep talks. He said, because what happens is your energy rises and then it spikes right after. So he wanted his players consistent the whole time. So he didn't believe in pep talks. And I'm guilty of the stuff. I remember when I was coaching teams and even with my, even with my brothers, before my brother was in the state finals, I, gave, I, I wrote out a speech because I think back to like the movie Miracle or any given Sunday. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna say the speech to him and he's gonna go out there and win. That's what happens in movies. Why would that happen in real life? And looking back, looking back I'm, I'm like so embarrassed telling that story because that's like shooting yourself in the foot with a large gun for performance. You don't do that. And I definitely got him more nervous and he wound up losing that match. 
I mean, it's pro- you know, maybe not entirely due to that, but I got him way too nervous. So what would have I been better off saying? Knowing what we spoke about, what would have been a better thing to tell my brother instead of, you know, giving him the any, any given Sunday or miracle speech? What could have I said? Do your best. Have fun. Do what you've been doing. Just be you out there. Just another day. It's just be grateful. It's just like practice, right? So that's what we, that's what we say to, to our athletes, that there's never a big game. You never want to say to your team, and this is, you got to be careful with this because it, it slips out of my mouth too. we got a big game today. we got a big match. There's no big or small games. There's no big or small matches. It's just another game. It's just another match, all right? And because we see kids choke in the SATs too. As a school psychologist, how many parents came to me saying, my kid's not a good test taker? All right. Maybe a little bit, but maybe it's just they're putting more pressure on themselves. And we've seen that. We've, one kid wants to go to an Ivy League school. We worked with this team for years. Uh, does really well in the practice SATs. Chokes on the real SATs, right? So I asked him, well, what are you thinking during the SATs? Well, he's thinking about the college he's got to get into. You see how that's like focusing on the wins, right? So it's just another test. Just do what you've, been, just do what you've always been doing. That's the attitude we need to have. And I think that was more like the John Wooden mentality, that treat everything the same. But what does that mean? That starts in practice. If you want to be a performer, every practice needs to be similar to your performance. So one of our, one of our exercises that we do for relaxing under pressure is we say, what are you normally telling yourself in practice? What are you normally wearing? Like all the superstition stuff, we want to break that. I don't, I don't like that stuff at all because what happens, all of a sudden you don't have your lucky socks. All of a sudden this breaks or these shorts rip. You don't want to do that. So we actively work on our mindset program, smashing those stereotypes, um, the superstitions. We also do something for, for stereotypes too. We look to destroy that. But they got to know that. So we want to make, what are you thinking in practice? What are you doing in, in, in um, what are you thinking and doing in practice? And what are you thinking and doing in games? And we want to merge those two things. So make practices similar to a competition and make competition similar to practice. Does that make sense? A lot of athletes don't do that. So there's a big difference between the way they approach practice in the game, whereas that's the difference between a professional. A high-level professional, and I don't just mean any professional basketball player, I just mean any, any professional in any field is going to treat things the same. So practice is a very big deal. Because you know this, this is another important point. In times of stress, in any moment of stress, you're more likely to revert back to your most practiced behavior. When you're nervous, you're more likely to revert back to your most practiced behavior. And that applies to anything. So if you normally use a lot of bad language, you're cursing, you're swearing, right? Okay, now you're, now you're in certain moments and then the words just fly out, right? Now you're, on a, now you're on a date or you're meeting your date's parents and like the words just slip out. Well, why? Because when we're nervous, we uh, shift back to our most practiced behavior. So that's why we don't, we don't practice until we can do something right. We practice until we can't do it wrong, right? You can't, you can't spell your name wrong if you try, probably. So, <laughs> so that's how it is. Um, Anything else before we sum up? Now we hit on a lot of things there, but again, we have an individual program, we have a team program. We'd love to work with anyone here. We work with over 150 teams around the country, present at all different coaches' conventions. And like we say, you know, it's, it's taking basketball and really learning the big, the big lessons. We don't close the number. We don't demand a certain number. We don't put a cap on the number. So if you guys have a youth program that you want to come in with your basketball team, you can split it between different budgets. Some of you might coach another sport. I could have. 10 different sports in the room, and we can still run the same mindset session because confidence week three is body language for all the sports. But for basketball, it's basketball-specific body language. For 
football, it's football specific body language. For wrestling, it's wrestling. You get the point. So you could bring in multiple teams from your school. You could bring in a club, a local club. You could bring in the recreation team. We want to give as much value as we possibly can. So everyone's welcome to come. That's how we get to the next level. So we always say, mindset makes the difference. So make sure you're following us on our different pages, Facebook, Instagram, um, all that basketball mindset. Good stuff. And we'll stick around. So if anyone has any questions, just let us know. Good stuff, team. Yeah, absolutely. God bless. Hardcore, hardcore group here. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, Make sure as an individual, you sign up for the one-on-one free trial consultation. That's the one-on-one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.